Hello, and welcome to another Bank and Transform Solution podcast. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. To differentiate product and service offerings going forward, legacy finance institutions must focus on building a distribution network that combines the qualities of human interaction with the power of new technologies. The design and utilization of the physical branch, both inside and out, also must be rethought for a future where the efficiency and effectiveness of branches must be maximized. Our guest on the Bank and Transform podcast is Jeff Klump, president of K4 Architecture and Design. We discussed the transformation of branch banking in an increasingly digital world and how to differentiate your branch experience. In a banking ecosystem that is shifting to digital delivery, it is imperative that legacy financial institutions use data and analytics and modern technology to empower customer-facing employees with the tools to personalize customer experiences and make decisions quickly. It is just as imperative that banks and credit unions reimagine current and new branch designs to reflect the current and changing customer expectations. Before we begin, Jeff, can you describe a little bit about your background and also about K4 architecture and design? Absolutely, Jim. And thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Jim, K4 is a total solutions provider of uh, design, build, and marketing branding services. We've, uh, we work with our clients on um, trying to help them create a strong brand and roll that out, that brand out into their, their actual facilities. Uh, we're, as I said, we're full service. We have an integrated team of architects, interior designers, graphic designer, construction managers, but also marketing and branding specialists. Um, we, we brand, design, and build uh, commercial facilities with a primary focus upon uh, upon the financial arena, 78% of our work is in the financial. Uh, you know, we do everything from, uh, we're a 22-year-old company based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we do, we have seen everything from new branches to remodels, to repurposes, to additions, to new, new main offices, which we're seeing a lot of right now, and also call centers. You know, it's interesting, you know, 22 years in the business since financial services, so much has happened. I mean, even even the last year with the pandemic and everything, the whole rethinking of what's the brand's purpose, how does it fit within the realm of everything else with regard to digital transformation? And, and even though it's a physical branch, you've got to make sure that all these channels really meld together as one. Do you, I mean, obviously you do, but I, in what way do you think bank branches are still necessary? People still want to deal with people. Banking is still a relationship business. Digital transformation is definitely redefining the banking industry. Um, you know, I, I, I started, and I didn't mention that in the beginning, but uh, I, I was with the third bank uh, from 1988 to 1998 for 10 years. And, and for 10 years, uh, I helped them roll out over 400 branches across you know, the, the 12 states that they were in. And we, back then, it was a one-size-fits-all prototype. We built the same branch over and over. Uh, now, we, we like to say that um, financial institutions need to really look at the demographic that they're in and, and their prototypes or their branches should be a kit of parts that are specific to a specific demographic. Um, digital transformation is definitely changing the industry, but, but banking is a, it's still a relationship business. People still want to deal with people. I mean, we're social beings and we want to, we want a social engagement. 
And when it comes to the big ticket items like loans or even advice, they, they want a place to go. So uh, what we're seeing is that branches are getting, they're getting smaller. Um, like I said, prototypes, Jim, for years were four and 5,000 square feet. We've got probably 15 to 18 clients we work with on a prototype basis. And the branches were four and 5,000 square feet. Now those branches have become 2,000 to 2,500 square feet and staff with half as many people. You know, the, the whole universe, universal banker concept is, is really coming into play. Um, so people can handle the transactions on their mobile phone or on their, their digital devices. Uh, but uh, again, branches, people still want a place to go. So, you know, obviously it, with any architectural engagement, you, you start by really asking questions of the financial institutions. There's no institutions that are the same. Obviously, if I'm the, the head of a credit, a local credit union, I can't use the same branching strategies that Chase Bank does. I mean, I I know in my neighborhood, you know, within the last year and a half, they built two what I call 1950s style branches. Two stories are very large. They hold a lot of different functions. But Chase is a different type of organization that uses branches differently. So as part of your interviewing process, what do you ask a financial institution or how do you dig into each institution's specific needs and the way they're going to be using branches going forward, both on a remodel and a new build basis? Basically, Jim, what we what we do and what we find is um, the credit unions, because they're more member focused or more member centric, they like to provide more services at those facilities versus, uh, you know, uh, uh, community bank, the community banks and it, it, the big regional banks, they definitely think differently. Um, they are they are leaning toward and closing more and more branches. The community banks and the credit unions are, are you know, they're investing in growth. They're putting capital into their facilities. Um, you know, the, the pandemic, it, it's interesting because a lot of people talk to us about, uh, you know, did the pandemic change the banking industry? And, and I tell people at the time, I said, what was taking, what's interesting is what was taking place prior to the pandemic uh, was really a compliment to, I hate to say that, but a compliment to the pandemic in that it basically, they were already in transition and making changes. And what, what, what we do for finance institutions, Jim, is we will actually set up with them. We, we actually send them a questionnaire. So we try to understand what it is, what specific things they are looking for, for this facility. And then it, then in, even before we start designing, then we will either do a Zoom call or have a meeting with, with them and go through exactly what are your needs and expectations. We try to help them understand the demographic of the markets they're in. So uh, those, those are some of the steps that we take from an architectural and a design perspective. So, so it's interesting. Let's say I'm a, I'm a mid-sized financial institution. I'm, I'm calling you up and you, you engage me. You ask me the questions. Do you also advise organizations where they say, okay, we want to build this big branch, traditional branch in a community, we, this kind of demographic? Do you ask them questions and then guide them in saying, sometimes even steering them in different directions than what they originally thought they wanted to do because of things you've seen in the marketplace and success that you've seen with some of your branches versus others? Yes, absolutely, Jim. Yeah, we, we actually just had a meeting a couple of weeks ago with a, with a larger financial institution. And, uh, you know, they started talking about that it's, it's their main office in one of their major cities. And, and uh, they, were, they were talking about changes to the branch. And, and I said, you know, you have all this space. Have you thought about making this space more community centric? 
In other words, provide space for the community to use to bring people into your branches and and, and into this facility. And and they were they, they were actually intrigued by that to the point where um, one of the officers of the bank uh, took me for a walk and actually took me over to the local YMCA. And he says they have this community space that that they are actually leasing to somebody because this is a great idea. We it's something we hadn't thought about, but we will definitely we definitely want to explore that. So. Yeah, Jim, we, we try to take the initiative to, to give them and, and give them direction of, of what we're seeing out there. Um, you know, we, we call we also try to talk to them about destination branches. We have a lot of our clients that are looking at the coffee shops. Um, you know, we also want to talk to them about technology and technology branches and how, how can you integrate the interactive teller machine to handle that transaction. So you don't need the people there to handle the transaction. You've got the universal bankers, or I like to call them the relationship bankers that that are there to build the relationship and strengthen the relationship with the customer or the member. Over the last year or last three years, I say, more than just a shrinking of the brand size, what is the what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the way that you're designing branches to to basically work within the digital transformation, but also the branch transformation process? What are what are certain things that you're just seeing trends that you say, you know what, these are going to stick around. This is this is an ongoing trend rather than just a fad. Yeah, Jim. Um, you know, a lot of what we struggle with is is when we're when we're meeting with these people is what is the branch of the future. What you know? Where do we go from here? And and what we you know what what we sit people down. A lot of times they'll approach us and say we want to build four or five thousand square feet because that's what they know. And and as we start talking through it, we're like guys, you don't need big lobbies. You don't need that traditional teller line. We we actually like to convince them to look at the uh, the pod concept, or have them look at the concierge stations. Um, if you're going to put in technology like the interactive teller machines. You may want to have a greeter, somebody that can, when when a customer or a member comes into the facility, you could take them over and show them how to use the device. And when when we when we kind of talk them through these things and talk about successes that we've seen, they they start to listen. And 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 it, what I have found, Jim, is a lot of them are very open minded about the suggestions we're making, which is a good thing because financial institutions need to be willing to change or or, or you know or risk becoming obsolete. You know, I, I I actually like one of the quotes, Jim. You you said it was about a year ago, and you you said the uh, the financial competitive battlefield is changing drastically, and the change we're seeing now have never will never happen this slowly again. And I I, I love that because that you know, and I I actually use that with some of my clients. I tell them, you know, what you're seeing now, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years, and and the changes I've seen just in the last three to five years are making major impact on these branch facilities. Yeah. And it's interesting. So, you know, let's say an organization is calling you just to have an initial touch base and, and they're, they're sitting there with, let's say, eight or nine branches, and they're considering opening a new branch. Would you really look and say, you know what, it may be a better deployment of funds to fix the current branch structure, the way that you're using branches currently, as opposed to building a new one, which is going to be the most effective deployment of funds? If, there, if the organization is open to both options, is it better to, you know, really fix the branches that are currently in place or if they need fixing and, and then, uh, or is it better to build a new branch? What's going to have a better impact on customer development? A lot of times I, I 
when they meet with us and we talk through it, I tell them, I said, you guys, you guys got to help us understand what direction you're going. I mean, if they want to go into new markets or in a new community, then this <clears throat> building a new branch makes sense. But, you know, what we try to convince them, Jim, is that if you're going to build this new branch, let's, let's take the concept that we're building from this new branch and create that prototype, some of those prototypical elements. Because I like to stress to these financial institutions, your brand is more important to you today than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, if you're in a if you're in a small community, and I, and I like to relate it to Jim to the uh, like the craft uh, brew craft beer experience. Um, you know, young people today they're very local loyal, but they're also brand centric. You know, we I came back from Florida about three weeks ago. I got off get in the airport. My kids all made a V line for Starbucks. I'm like, why are, why are you going to Starbucks? It's, you know, you're paying twice as much and you're, and you're, uh, you know, you're going to wait in line. And they're like, you know what we pay, they, they love the brand and, and they relate to it. And what I try to tell our financial institutions is, you know, when you're thinking about this, um, I do definitely talk to them about rethinking about how to repurpose their existing branches, Jim. Um, you know, I, I, I tell them, I, you know, we, we, we have a client who had a 7,800 square foot lobby. Uh, we met with them and, oh, and yeah, 7,800 square foot, seven tellers. Turned into a restaurant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, actually what we did was they actually turned it into a coffee, a cafe bar. Um, you know, he couldn't sell the product, but he said, Hey, I'll take donations and turn this into a community reinvestment where he put up who they could donate money to. So people would donate money to a specific organization. They get so many swipes for coffee when the young people came in, they would all go over and sit in the in what a cafe area, and we had seating for up to twenty people. And uh, it was interesting when we were there, Jim, for the for the ribbon cutting. He said, "Stick around, I want you to see something." And the, these young people all came in. They sat down. They all got coffee. And he goes, "I had a captured audience." He says, "Jeff, now I'm able to take every one of these young people, and they're going to stay with our bank, and they they know they can handle everything on their mobile phone or on their laptop." And, you know, it was, it was a great concept and, it, and it's working well for them. We've actually done three other, four other branches that way for them. You know, it's, it's interesting you should bring that up. I was just in Hawaii last week and I, w- I was visiting a bank on behalf of a client of mine and I can't come in and the left-hand part of the, the lobby, it was a, a headquarters office, was, was traditional, the guard station and, and some really interesting art. The right-hand side was, I, I thought it was a Starbucks. It was actually part of the branch, part of the bank. And and to your point, they had a restaurant, they had coffee. They actually, I believe, served Starbucks coffee and also food beyond what Starbucks usually offers. Another interesting concept was not just the table settings and all that. They had what I would call the old-fashioned phone booths, where you had a, a uh, somewhat of a vertical setup, a seat, and a closed door and areas for a computer station. They had five of them. And what it enabled somebody to do is to, to do their work in a quiet scenario. And, and I thought, wow, this is just so different than what I would have thought from a branch lobby. Oh, and by the way, there was a small area to do banking if you wanted to. So, you know, everything's changing so quickly. And I think, you know, I would imagine that um, there's a tremendous advantage to working with an organization that designs, you know, pretty much specifically for banks, because this evolution of the branch is changing so quickly, you've got to stay on top of that. But if somebody was just to hire a local architect, a local designer, 
that may work really well, but the problem is they don't get the learnings that an organization like yours can provide in a world that's, that every day that you engage with a new organization, they're coming up with some new ideas, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes. I, I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. And we hear that a lot, Jim, that, that, you know, they, a lot of the community banks, because, because of the, they might have a customer that's an architect and they will actually bring that architect in and talk to them. And, but, but they don't realize the value that's gained by people that are out there every day doing this and working with financial institutions and to see the broad range of things that, you know, I, I'm, I've been doing this for 32 years. Um, like I said, I was with Fifth Third for 10 years. Then I've been doing it as K4 for 22 years. And, and I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And, uh, and I'm still learning. That's what's so exciting is I'm still learning and, and we're still looking at doing different ways. And that's, basically what I try to tell my clients, you know, don't think outside the box. Don't, don't, don't be stifled and be afraid of change because change is it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and I like to tell the story about, um, you know, I, I'm sure you're very familiar with it, Jim, but I don't know if some of your listeners may, may not be, but like Umqua Bank and, and what Ray Davis did with that organization in a, in a 25 year span you know, he basically converted a sleepy community bank into the largest bank in the state of Oregon because he, he thought outside the box. And, and he said, you know, one of the things he said, Jim, was uh, play by retail rules rather than banking rules. And, yeah. and, and so many people, they, they don't think like that. The, the, the gentleman that did the, uh, the president that did the coffee shop, he, he, was, he, he had a lot of respect for what Ray Davis did. And he introduced me to that book, Leading for Growth. And, uh, you know, but his focus, Ray Davis's focus was, you know, what, what are important things to retail? And that's location, marketing, the layout and appearance of your stores. It's uh, customer service and then bundle sales. Well, and the branch became a real key element of their brand. I mean, I had the fortune to, to, to be able to read Ray Davis and, and talk about a guy that thinks out of the box. I mean, he takes pride if if the industry is going left, he'll go right, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And and the reality is it's not just to be disruptive. It's to say, you know what, I can't be the same as everybody and be different as an organization. You know, when you're talking about branch transformation right now, what are the biggest trends that you're seeing? What are the things that are happening right now that you see happening that, that seems to be almost every organization saying, we need to do this? Because as you said, and I've noticed, there is no model, you know, unlike a mobile banking model, there's no model that says, here's the way we got to go. It is as different as, as the leaves on a, a fall tree. You know, I'm just wondering, you know, what are you seeing right now that almost every organization or a lot of the organizations you're working with are asking for? The things that we're seeing is the different delivery models, Jim, the, you know, the integration, the universal banker, um, or I, again, I like to call it the relationship banker. Um, you know, I don't even like to call them branches. I like to call them engagement centers because I, you know, these facilities have now become advisory, consultative, education, training. You know, we, we, we actually are doing tech bars. And, and for some people, they're like, that, I just don't understand that. But the more you sit and explain it, that, hey, you know, this digital arena is taking off and, and you, need to be, you need to be able to show, you, your staff needs to train people how to access the digital, the digital media. You know, don't downplay it. Make, don't make it the enemy. Make, you know, make it part of your business plan. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, just like interactive teller machines, uh, Jim, so many people 
ha- are are reluctant. They say that, you know, people come to the branch because they want to deal with somebody. But, you know, wh- how many of us right now are saying, thank God for drive-throughs during the during COVID? And, and I had a, a, an organization that we work with in, in Kentucky that uh, integrated about 60 of the ITMs and all their drive-throughs. Uh, we're actually doing a project for them right now in downtown Lexington. And uh, the CFO, right as we were starting the project about four months ago, said, he said, you know, uh, I asked him about it. I said, hey, how did, how did you fare during COVID and how did everything go? He says, Jeff, pre-COVID, we had 70% walk-in and 30% people using drive-throughs, the, the people that came to the branches during COVID. He said, we got, we got accolades from our, from our customers that they could have a live transaction with the live person via the interactive teller machines. So technology was working for them. Um, so about four weeks ago at the pre-construction meeting, I, I pulled him off to the side. I said, one thing I didn't ask you, I said, now that you're back and fully operational and he goes, Jeff, it's 50, 50. He said 50% of the people still come into the branch. The other 50 go through the drive-through. So 20% of the people were willing to adapt to the change because they were forced into it. So again, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you have to be willing to adapt and change or, or uh, risk becoming obsolete. You know, it's interesting. We, we talked about um, the branch as a billboard for the brand. And, and, you know, I honestly, I only go into my branch if I absolutely have to, and I I don't need transactions. I, I've learned how to do transactions outside the branch, and it, it usually I went to the branch this week because I had a Canadian check, and and I can't put that into the ATM and have it processed the right way. So I came in for a transaction, and I also came in because I had uh, damaged my debit card, and and interestingly, I wasn't aware of this, but they printed it on site. So I I had been delaying it, going, God, I got to call them and get it delivered, and God, I I hate this process. And I found out that they actually go in the back room and actually print up a brand new one for me, which I didn't know was possible. So that that shows I don't know everything in the industry. But, you know, when you talk about that billboard, you know, we talk a lot about the interiors. What are you doing as a firm to make it so the exterior actually reflects a brand and is distinctive enough that a person says they notice the branch. I mean, obviously, in my neighborhood, again, I'll bring up Chase. That got a corner office. They took over a gas station. You know, they had to dig deep and all that. And But they built a two-story building that looks just like one in another community nearby that they built a brand new one. But it's fairly distinctive. They, it's distinctive at daytime. It's distinctive at night. Obviously, the blue lights um, continue to re- reflect off the walls of the branch. What have you seen? What are you doing as an organization to make it so the exterior of the branch helps to build recognition, helps to build engagement, and makes it an environment, uh, an inviting environment? And I'm great, glad you brought that up. But one of the one of the things that we try to do is we try to tell our clients create some kind of strong iconic element that that you can make that your brand that, and that way then if you're repurposing or remodeling another branch you could take that same iconic element to that facility and people know it's you um you know we 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 preach this constantly to our clients and when we develop a prototype we try to create something like jim it could be an iconic tower um, it could be a consistent palette of materials um, you touched on it and and you know i tell people your your buildings are are a a symbol of your brand, and they should be well lit at night. They should be a beacon to your brand 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, 
So, you know, what we try to tell them is create that strong branded piece. But we also, you know, because we do marketing and branding, we try to convince them, think about your signage. When, when, when we do presentations at some of the trade shows, one of the things I really like to do is I like to put up a, a, a logo of a company and say, who's that? And I do four or five of them. And then I look at them and look at the audience and I say, how many of you can say that about your logo? Because your logo is instant recognition if you do it right. And, and very seldom do any of them raise their hand, Jim. Um, so the, the strategy is to create some type of strong, iconic branded element, whether it could be a tower, whether it could be a panel of metal surface with bright colors, um, a, a great reflection where then you could put your, your signage on that, uh, that consistent palette of materials. And again, uh, the other thing that I try to tell my, my clients, I said, your existing branches, think about the curb appeal because people want to know that you are still investing in your, in your facilities, investing in the community. You know, don't, don't take care of the landscaping. Keep the lighting well lit at night. Make the building pop. Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm, in, I'm in Ohio like you. And two organizations that really are very distinctive and, and recognizable is, as I mentioned, the blue of a Chase branch and the way that they, it is blue daytime, it's blue nighttime. Um, they use the lighting in such a way that lets you know, oh, you, you can be, you know, uh, 300, 400 yards down the street and you go, oh, that's a Chase branch. Huntington is another one. Huntington with that that doggone green. But the reality is those employees in that company know the Huntington green. It's on doorknobs. It's it's subtle, but it's very distinctive. And they and it and it becomes a, a beacon to a degree. It may not be the most appealing color in my mind, but the reality is when they converted branches from first merit to Huntington, I go, oh, is that a prime? And then I said, oh no, that's not a prime. That's that's one of their corporate colors. But it, it becomes part of the brand. On the other hand, my current business bank is fairly subtle. You, I, I could not right now tell you what their corporate colors are or look at one branch to another and say there's some consistency to it. I mean, again, Chase does that really well. There's a lot of consistency, even in an old branch to a new branch, in the way they use their colors and their designs. So when you're working on this, you know, and, and how much is the branch design and the architecture elements play into brand and marketing. Oh, it, it's it's significant, Jim. I mean, we do it. We actually talk about it both exterior and interior. In other words, you know, I talked about you know tying your brand <clears throat> to the exterior iconic, iconic element. But when you go into the facility, you should be using your brand colors, your your brand palette on everything that you do there. We also tell our clients, you know, make make connections to the community, create a community wall, create a history wall, make connections. So it's, so the local people see that you're part of that, that you're willing to invest in that community. Uh, but, but brand, it's more important to these organizations than it's ever been. And, you know, we, what we preach constantly is the first thing we'll ask is, do you have a brand, do you have a brand standards guideline? And if not, can we help you with that? Because, uh, and, and interestingly enough, Jim, I mean, we, we, we've, you know, we started out, I started out as Clump and Associate Architects back in 1998. Uh, you know, I grew, uh, you know, help, not only did I help Fifth Third open when I was in-house, but helping open another 
400 branches after that. And it was interesting because they had a one size fits all prototype, but they used the same colors everywhere, but it did not relate or tie to their bank, their brand. And I preached it constantly. And, and, and it was so frustrating because they were, they were so stifled by, you know, Hey, this is the way we've always done it. And we made money. And, and it, it was just frustrating to, to, to have to deal with that. Um, and, and, you know, I left, started the K4 companies. We brought on, you know, like I said, we started as Clump and Associate Architects. Then we brought on an interiors division. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we said, hey, we really got to help financial institutions create that brand standard on the interior. But then we also brought on a graphics team. So we said, we got to make connections to the community. So again, that ties and relates to the, the brand presence in those communities. Um, you know, we actually, in uh, the beginning of uh, next year, we're actually rolling out our K4 marketing and branding division um, because of a lot of our clients have said, you know, who's doing, who's doing your marketing? Who's doing your social media? We are, we are. Who, who developed your logo? We did. You know, and I, and I, I you know, I love to tell a story about the logo was, um, uh, as, a, as I said, Jim, originally we were Clump and Associate Architects and ADCM Construction. And uh, I said, guys, we preach brand, but we don't have a brand. We don't have that strong brand presence. So we went on retreat, developed the K4 logo. It was the uh, golden mean with the Fibonacci curb and, and K4 was Clump plus four other partners. So about six months after we wrote it out, a friend of mine calls and he says, Jeff, you either duplicated somebody's logo or somebody stole your logo already. And I said, Barry, where are you? He said, Jeff, we're, we're down in Sarasota, Florida. And I said, oh, you are. I said, are you by chance at the intersection of Tamiami Trails and Clark Road? And he says, we are. I said, then that's us. And I said, you know, for me, that, that made the statement that that yeah. strong brand and that strong brand presence is what's going to make your organization, Jim. So it's interesting. The branch facility and, and banking in, in general is moving from a transaction business to an engagement business. The importance of, of accounts, balances, and transactions is really dropping as it relates to what a person feels about a brand. They expect you to get that right. But when it comes to engagement, well, you know, the traditional branch back in my day, which goes back quite a ways, was a real big separation between the branch managers, the tellers, and the customer. In fact, part of that was the security. You know, it's why branches have windows. It's because it helps the security aspects of the branch. What are you doing internally to convert what used to be the teller line, a very very stifled some you know even with uh, covid even more of a glass based uh, br we've almost gone backwards in time to a degree but what are you doing with banks that to really encourage engagement within the physical facility in a way that reflects what the organization as a whole wants to accomplish basically jim I, you know we call it tarot line um we, we actually had one a bank president say to me oh you mean the barrier he said that thing, it almost looks like a barrier. Uh, what we do, Jim, is we really encourage the pod concept where it's more engaging. It, it, it's interesting because that, that same president, they called it a barrier. Um, when we did the first project for him, they, they wanted to integrate. He wanted to integrate the pods, but he had board members that were just completely opposed to it. 
So one of the board members came one day and sat in the branch after it was done. And she went up to his office a couple hours later and said, I apologize. She goes, it's amazing how people react differently with this pod concept. You know, they're more engaging. They're more interactive. It's private still. You know, you know, the, the issue of privacy is is even better in the pod concept. Yeah, correct, Jim. Yeah. And and then then even the, the integration of the ITMs. Um, it, most of the people we work with put them in their drive throughs but we've had a number of people actually just make full ITM branches. And the, you know, the mistake some of them made is they put them in there, but they don't educate their customers or members how to use them. Whereas, uh, you know, one of the major financial institutions we worked with, um, we, we did that. We created an ITM branch, but we put in a concierge station. That concierge would come in and meet with people, take them back, show them how to use the device. And uh, we, we really like to show off that branch. So we had another uh, organization that we were working with. They came to, to see the facility, and this was about a year after it was open. And I said to the young lady at the front counter, I said, Katie, you know, when you guys opened, you would take everybody back and train them how to use the ITMs. And I said, but now you've been here a year. How many people come to you? And she said, let me pull Heather out of the office and, and we'll give you an answer. They came back out and they said less than 10%. So they, you know, people come in, they're reluctant to new technology. They're reluctant to new things, but once we're creatures of habit, but once you, you start learning or, or adapting to that new technology, it it's not as difficult as you think. So those are things we're seeing, Jim. Yeah. Uh, pods, uh, concierge stations, interactive teller machines, lobbies, smaller um, offices. You know, offices. They're not even offices anymore, Jim. They might be a, a you know there might be a huddle space, or, yeah. or there might be a, a conference room. But if they do have offices, we actually if we remodel a facility, we pretty much blow out the whole front of the office and make it all glass. So that when people come in, they know that they can go to any one of those uh, people within that branch and, and they can address their issue or concern. Again, they're, they're the relationship bankers. You know, it's interesting because when you talk about the whole change of the dynamics of everything from the pods to the office, everything else, for a concierge really comes in handy because that person is, is multitask. It may be your old, you know, assistant manager of the branch in the old days, or maybe the head teller even, because they can still do transactions in most of these concierge locations. Yesterday, the branch manager of the branch I went to was in the concierge location. And, you know, it, 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 totally looked like it was a plug and play, you know, it's like a, a little pod that was added to the branch, nothing else changed. You know, if, as we're going forward, and if there's one thing, you know, we're getting into 2022 planning, a lot of people are looking at branch going, what in the world do we do? I mean, the, the, the dynamics of what's coming at us from a, a di- you know, different opinions on different things and all these new concepts. But if you were to give a, a recommendation to a, a bank or credit union president around what they've got to focus on from a branch perspective, what would it be as they enter 2022? Well, I would basically, I, the most, the best advice I could give them, Jim, is tell them, don't be afraid of change. One, one of the struggles that I have is that so many of them just are so reluctant to change. This is the way we've always done it. We've made money. Um, you know, I, I told the story about my situation with Fifth Third and, and they just, they, they had, as good as you're get. <laughs> oh yeah. And they had that mentality. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then when the George Schaefer came on board, uh, back in 1991, I mean, I started in 88, the first year I built, I built uh, three branches. The second year I built five and I thought this is not going to be as challenging as I thought it was going to be. 
And then George came on board and he said, we're going to change. And for the next, for the next eight years, I built 30 to 50 branches a year. You know, he grew that organization from a $8 billion organization to 91 billion because he said, well, you have to change. One of the other advices that I like to give though, Jim, is the whole, um, the thought about ROI, your return on investment. So many financial institutions make it a, uh, they're so worried about, I got to get a return on my investment financially. But what they need to really realize, Jim, is that investment could really make a statement to the communities that they're in. That ROI could be, if you invest, look what it's going to state to the community. You're creating facilities that people are proud to say is my financial institution. It's places where employees are proud to say, I work there. And to me, the ROI is, it could be financial, but you can't always think of it as financial. Investment is a commitment and and financial institutions need to make a commitment to change and investment to growth because people, you don't, and another quick story was I, you know, we did a a facility for a bank in North Central Indiana and it was their main office, Jim. And and, uh, they struggled because they were downtown in the community and they bought land outside and they were so worried about the message they were going to send to their customers. If we move out of downtown, they, they struggled with it. We went back and forth. We provided proposals, gave them, gave them feasibility studies to what if you bought two more buildings in the row of buildings downtown. And uh, during that whole process, they interviewed uh, a gentleman as their uh, chief information officer. He turned them down both times, Jim. So we get the new facility done and open. His, their CIO left. Uh, the guy that they interviewed two times came in uh, after the grand opening, interviewed for a position and took it, accepted the position. And the president said, what, what, what changed your mind? He looked at him and he said, you proved to me and to the community that you are here to stay and you're not setting yourself up to be bought. And he also said, you made a major investment, which makes a, a strong statement on the community. That same president, when I saw him at the Indiana Bankers Conference this year, said, he said, not only was I able to hire that CIO, I've hired six other people that travel 30 to 40 miles because they, they like being here. They like the environment they're in. We, we did a project in, uh, uh, up in northern Michigan, Jim, and, and, you know, that one, the first one was recruitment, you know, how to recruit key top people. The second, I, I call it retention, was we remodeled a branch up in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. And, and, and basically, um, they were really leery about the things we were proposing. They did not understand the pod concept. We, they had seven drive through lanes. They brought the tubes in and brought them up behind the pods. Uh, but they weren't sure about that. After they did it, um, then COVID hit. Well, what a blessing to have those seven drive through lanes come up and the people in the branch could service it from their pods, but also when during COVID, some of the older employees decided they didn't want to come back. I saw them this year at at one of the conventions and they said, it's something we didn't think about. We posted for three teller positions. All the young people out in the branches want to work in the main office because it's cool and it's hip. Yeah. They were willing to change, Jim. They were willing to invest in that change and it, it, it worked wonders for them. So Jeff, how does somebody get in touch with you and your team at K4 Architecture and Design? Well, our website, uh, Jim, is 
k4architecture.com. We also have an info at K4 Architecture. Um, they, they could reach out to us either way. Um, go to our website, which, you know, is k4architecture.com. Um, and then there is a contact us, uh, an opportunity for a contact us. You know what? It, it's good, if nothing else, to get a call in to, to discuss what's going on. You know, Jeff, I really appreciate you being on the show today. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not a branch detractor. I'm not necessarily a branch advocate, but it's very clear to me as I see what's going on that the world of bank branches is changing immensely and that every organization has got to put their, their stick in the sand to determine what they're going to become. Some of these things have to be long-term decisions because we have leases and we have everything else we have to deal with. But just because you have a long-term lease, doesn't mean you have to keep the status quo. And I think that's got to be really understood by financial institutions that, you know, just because you have a real estate and just because you have a branch currently doesn't mean you need to keep it the same. And you've got to open your mind to new dynamics. And as we talk about in marketing a lot, we got to test and learn. There's no one model fits all. If it was, it would make the business a whole lot easier. And the reality is it may not even be one size fits all between communities for the same organization. So again, Jeff, I appreciate your time and your, your insight into what's going on in the branch world. And I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform Solutions, a new banking podcast that focuses on innovative solutions for today's financial institution. We'd like to thank K4 Architecture and Design, the sponsor of today's show. If you're a solution provider wanting to discuss how you can help banks and credit unions solve a major marketplace challenge, drop me an email or give me a call. I'm keen to help. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roe Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, branches aren't dead, but they must be reimagined for the future. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.